Happy New Year, North Church. Great to see everybody here. Here we are embarking on a whole new decade. Super exciting. I am always thankful for any new beginning. I, I feel like I need them every day. So a new year is like, oh, great. I get to wipe the slate clean from last year, head into a brand new year. So I'm excited about that. And uh, the cool thing is, is that God is already in our future, right? So he's already out in front of you. Have you, have you thought of that yet? That he's out there already because he's not bound by time. And so he knows our future and he has already charted it out, planned it out. And that gives me great comfort to know that. Well, we're going to talk about first things first. We're starting a new series today. So uh, buckle in. It's going to be awesome. We're going to talk about some of our priorities. And th the reason that I think this is so important is because there are many things you can give your time and life to, and you do, and I do. Many things that you can invest your energy of your thinking, of your heart, of your motivations, of your talents, of your money. But all of the things we give our time and money to don't necessarily reap the same rewards. Would you agree? They don't all have the same impact. And so it's important for us to know what are the things that I can do in my life daily, weekly, yearly, whatever. What are the things that I can be doing that I know matter, that I know will make impact? What are those things in my life and in your life? A couple years ago, well, now it's been several years because it was the first few years, but probably on year three in our church being planted. I hit a wall. Man, I was so busy. I was so tired. I was really on the edge of burnout. And I was looking at my schedule, and it was just packed with stuff. I mean, I was preaching almost every Sunday. I was trying to meet people at 5 in the morning. I was trying to maintain relationships that I already had and hundreds of new ones. I was trying to still go out and be in the community with, with pastors and and I was just burning the candles at both ends, and I was, I was tired. And it, it, I was looking at it, just going, what can I say no to? You ever thought that? What? There's too many things. I know I need to say no to some things. What are the things I need to say no to? And I couldn't figure it out. And I knew that it was bad when I started dreaming about purchasing a one-way ticket on a freight liner to South America. <laughs> like I knew, once I caught myself thinking that, I thought, you know, I need some help. And so I called a friend, Rick Knoll, who was at the time a mentor of mine. And uh, Rick sat down with me and he listened and I kind of vomited on him and told him all my, all the struggles and why everything was kind of equally important. And I couldn't just not do any of these things. And yet I knew I needed to not do a few of things. And, and, and what are the things I need to say no to? And he said, you know, Mike, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about what you need to say no to. The question is what should you be saying yes to? What are the right things to say yes to? Because if you get your yeses right, the no's will become self-evident. The no's will stand out. The no's will be easier to detect and to not even allow into your schedule. Saying yes to the right things. That's what it means to keep first things first. And we're going to look at that over the next several weeks. We're going to talk about how do we identify and what are the things that we should be keeping first place in our lives, protecting those things in our schedules, 
Like the professor who took the empty jar to his class, he filled it up with rocks. And then he asked the class, he said, is the jar full? It was full of these larger rocks. And they said, yes. And then he had another little bag of pebbles and he brought it out and he poured it in the jar and it fell all in between the larger rocks. And he said, now is the jar full? And they laughed and they said, yeah, now it's full. And then he had another bag of sand and he pulled it out and he poured it into the jar until every nook and cranny was filled up with sand. And he said, now the jar is full. And this represents your life. The big rocks are those most important things in your life. Family, health, relationships. The pebbles represent the other things. Still important, but lesser important, like work and school and our homes. Finally, the sand are all the small stuff in life that tend to stress you out, create anxiety. They're like gnats just flying around all the time. It's all the people's expectations of you. They're not as important, and yet we can spend the majority of our time working on those and neglecting the big rocks that should be in place, the things that should be immovable, the things that should be protected in our life and in our schedules. So let's look at a day. Let's think about tomorrow. Let's talk about what's the first thing that should compose my day. I think that all of us should know what are the top probably two or three things in every day that we do. Not 10 or 20, but I think that, I think there's more than one, but I, but, but I think that we should know what are my top priorities for tomorrow. If someone was to ask you that today, would you be able to answer that? What are the top, I thought through it. I thought through it intentionally. And here are the big rocks in my day for tomorrow. Well, let's talk about that. And let's look at that from God's perspective. The things that we can give our undivided attention to. Maybe you would argue it's working out, you know, like physical health. And so let's just do a quick moment of truth here. How many of you gained a couple pounds over the holidays? Okay. I started, I started uh, back in like late October going into November at 174 pounds. Came out weighing 182 that's like a 5% weight gain. Got out my calculator and kind of did some math and figured out that if I just keep that up, I'll be at about 278 pounds by next December. <laughs> you say, well, how did you do that? Well, I ate and ate and ate and ate. Not just three square meals a day. I ate a couple round ones too, like cakes, <laughs> pies, cookies, I love the Christmas season. It's awesome. You know, if you eat all the time, you, you're going to get bigger and bigger. But what if you only ate one meal, one meal in a week? What if you only ate for one hour on a Sunday from 11 to noon? Before long, you would be gaunt, thin, weak, sick, maybe even dead. That describes the spiritual state of a lot of people. I know what it's like to get so preoccupied with doing work, with solving problems, with trying to keep up with all the demands of this life, handling family crises, that I can neglect my own soul. And there's something weird about the human soul, because like in, with our physical hunger, I know it when I'm hungry. I mean, if I miss a meal, you're going to know about it. I mean, you've heard of the word hangry, hangry. 
My wife teases so she can get a little hangry sometimes. And uh, there's something, I don't know if it's her blood sugar or what, but like when she gets hungry, boom, it comes on like really fast. There's something about our physical bodies that knows when we are hungry. But our soul is so different. I wish there was something like spangry. Like maybe there is, spiritually hungry. Or you get angry. That's what happens to me when I know my soul is kind of withering, it's drying, I've, I've disconnected in some way from the life that's in Christ. Is I, it starts to come out in my relationships. I get shorter with people. My words get a little, mm, got a little bite to them. I get more anxious. I feel more stress on my shoulders. I find myself trying to work harder and control more of my life around me because it, it feels out of control. And so I don't know how it is for you, but those are the conditions of a hungry soul, of a starving soul, of a dried up soul. And the problem is, is that I have to remind myself that my soul is hungry. I don't need any help with my stomach. It reminds me automatically. But I have to remind myself that my soul needs nourishment. Every day, not once a week, not every once in a while, but every day it needs nourishment. And it takes work to be able to listen. You know, it takes that, that intentionality of listening and knowing that we can mask that hunger with the spiritual junk food of idols and carnal desires. One of my life verses is Matthew 6, I love that passage. It comes out of the narrative of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is talking to, we, we often think when we think of the people Jesus was talking to as like people that didn't have that many problems. They had a lot of problems. They were living in a political climate that, that what we have is cake compared to what they had in their day. They were living with stress and tension and, and Rome was taking a bunch of their money that they were working for. And so they were having to work extra in order to keep up with their bills Moms were, care, were, were concerned for their children. Moms and dads were having to work, sometimes two jobs. They were stressed out. They were thinking about their future and wondering what in the world would happen to them in the future. They were not m unlike us. And Jesus talks to them and he teaches them. And I love the Matthew 6 passage. If you haven't read it in a while, you should go back. It will encourage your soul as you see how God is encouraging us. Don't worry about tomorrow, but think about today. Live in today. Live in the moment of today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. And he, he, he does this wonderful teaching and discourse around not worrying and running after all the things everybody else is running after to get ahead in life. I love what Eugene Peterson paraphrased in his message translation of the Bible in Matthew 6. Here's what Jesus said. He said, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax and not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. 
Jesus is saying if you seek after God first, then all the other things that you worry about, care about, and work so hard to get, they will be added into your life as well. You don't have to struggle and fret as much as you often do. Jesus didn't show people how to be more productive or profitable or how to manage their time better. He said, I want to just keep it simple. Put one thing first. First things first. It's found in Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This is in the context that Jesus is talking to a people who were stressed out, a people who were busy, a people who had concerns, a people who had uh, a society that was not all for them. And he said, seek first the kingdom, the kingdom. What's the king and the kingdom? The king is Jesus and the kingdom is his way of doing life. That's what it is. It's making God center point. First in our lives. And then wanting his will, not just our own. See, my little kingdom, your little kingdom, it's going to come to an end. All the things we're working on, like a little Jenga game, you know, trying to put all the, the pieces together. Eventually, it will come to an end. God's kingdom will last forever. And so the things that we invest in that are eternal. And when we put Jesus as that big rock in our life, that the thing that we care most about, a growing relationship with him. Jesus said, if I just quit trying to go after all the other things, all the other priorities in my life, and make one thing my priority, then I will get all the other stuff too. It's called win-win, right? If I try to get all the other stuff in life, achievements, success, money, make my kids, uh, you know, kind of make sure they get the best education, attend all the sporting programs, uh, run them from pillar to post, get my body looking like Mark Wahlberg. I, I may, you know, end up getting a few of those things in life, but at the expense of a soul that has been shriveled and dying. At the expense of often important relationships that don't tend to last too well when we're running after all those other things. But if I make seeking God and his kingdom and his righteousness my top priority then I get all the other stuff too. Well, probably not Mark Wahlberg's body, but. <laughs> it's not either or, it's both and. I don't get both putting my goals and dreams and ambitions first and then connect a little God to that. I put him first. And then I allow him to add the things that matter into my life. Look with me, if you will, in Luke chapter 10. I want to read a little story that Jesus, it's actually a, a, a real life event that happened in the life of Jesus Christ. He was going to visit some friends. And uh, in this particular visit, let's look at this passage. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. 
the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Martha is the classic task doer. Get it all done, prepare the meal, clean the house, fluff the pillows, make it right. It has to be done. Jesus is coming over. Anybody relate to Martha? I mean, I relate to this lady. I relate because I'm a doer. I'm a, I'm a task person. And I can often end up getting so focused in tasks that people come second. While Martha was busy with these preparations, Mary took a seat at Jesus' feet. And listen to what he said. Martha, she's frazzled, she's frustrated, she's anxious, she's blame-shifting, she's upset, life's not fair. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, I want you to come and sit at my feet too. I want you to come and experience relationship and friendship with me too. Jesus wasn't just trying to solve a conflict here. He wasn't just trying to put her in her place and commend Mary. He was inviting her to come. You know, like when... If you've been at someone's house before and maybe it's after dinner and there's like all these plates and you feel guilty and bad and you feel like, well, let's, let me help you in the kitchen. Let's get all these dishes done first. And the host says, no, let's just go in the living room and let's just talk and I'll do them later. It doesn't matter. They don't matter. That always bugs me when people do that. Because <laughs> it's me. I got a problem. The right the, the, the priority is the relationship. Hey, we're just here for an hour, hour and a half together. Let's just sit down and talk and, and deepen the relationship. The dishes will f- get figured out later. Don't you love that? Jesus says this one thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is better. One thing. It's not one thing to do in life or one thing to do in a day. There's lots to do in a day, but there's a moment that we can't miss. A moment that each day we need to pause and to spend time with Jesus, to sit at his feet, to listen and to learn. That's what Mary did and that's what Jesus commended and that's the important big rock in her day and my day and your day. Listening to Jesus. You and I need a growing relationship with Jesus It seems obvious that the relationship with Mary and Martha was more important to Jesus than the meal. But somehow, as human beings, we just lose the plot sometimes. The one thing, the better thing, the growing relationship with Jesus. Isn't that hard to put in your schedule and keep it there? Like on a daily basis. Let's be honest. That's hard to do. It's not hard to write it down. It's just hard to keep it every single day. Because we tend to just get focused on so many other things that feel like they're the most important things. One thing. A relationship with Jesus. Now, how do you develop that? How do you grow that relationship? Well, you grow it by feeding on God's word. That's what feeds your soul. God's word is like bread. Consuming it, ingesting it meditating on it, putting it into your heart, storing it up there. This is what Mary was doing. She was sitting at the feet of Jesus. She was listening and learning what Jesus had to say. She was feeding on every word that proceeded from his mouth. You remember when the devil tempted Jesus to turn stones into bread, 
in the wilderness. And Jesus said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We feed our bodies bread and we feed our spirits with the word of God. By spending time sitting, pausing each day, being with him, praying, listening, learning. And if you're not feeding on God's word, then you will eventually grow sick, malnourished, and eventually you'll get disconnected. Each Sunday when you come here, we have a teaching team. We do our very best to prepare a word from the scripture that will encourage you, that will strengthen you, that will equip you, that will feed your soul. But it's only one hour, one meal out of a whole week. What are you doing to feed yourself every day? Whose responsibility is it to feed you or to feed me? Is it Craig Rochelle's or Levi Lusco or Andy Stanley or Ann Voskamp or who's or, or North Church? It's, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility every day to learn how to hold a fork and a spoon and to eat. To eat. Whose responsibility is, is it to feed you physically? Don't say your wife. No, it's yours. And the same is true spiritually. Each one of us has to own that and say, okay, God, I'm gonna, I want to grow in this upcoming year. I want to deepen my relationship with you. I don't want to just know about you. I want it to grow in this upcoming year. That means then I've got to spend time eating more than once a week. I have to eat every day. And I've got to learn how to feed myself in that process. You might think, man, I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't often understand the Bible. I open it up and I want to understand it, but it doesn't always make sense. And so I just, I get discouraged. Can I encourage you that you have the same Bible teacher as I have? His name is Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus said, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. John 16, Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That the Holy Spirit of God is the divine mentor in your life and mine. That we, we sit and we learn from him. And yeah, it's a process. It doesn't happen in, in day one, moment one. It's as we give ourselves to it that what happens is we are fed and we learn to listen to the spirit of God, and we get fed through the word of God. I need to feed on God's word. Like Mary, I need to listen to what Jesus is saying. Let me give you a couple quick ideas on ways that you can do that. Uh, and we're talking about like, how do you spend that pause in a day? Make that a priority in every day. How do you do that? Where do you do that? Well, one is pick your best time in the day that you possibly can do this. Not the dregs, the, the, you know, kind of the fumes of your life. Give God your best. Give him your best. So find out when is that for you? If you work a night shift, it's different from people who work a day shift. When is that best for you? Then dedicate about 15 minutes. And some of you who are really spiritual, you're like, 15? Why are you telling them 15? It should be 30 or an hour. It's like, 
15 minutes will do. You know why? Because if you have 15 minutes and you learn to enjoy that, that time will expand. Because you'll love being in God's presence. But if you'll just set 15 minutes, think about that. Out of all the hours in a day, what do you got? About 14 in a day that we're working with. 15 minutes. Yet it's the most important thing we can do in a day. And why do I say that? I say that because when we're being fed, our soul is, is being strengthened. What happens in those moments where just those 15 minutes is God is changing us. He's transforming us. He's feeding us. He's nourishing us. He's giving us joy. He's helping us see things that might be out in our day, people that we might need to talk to, things that God cares about that are on his heart. All of that can be happening in those moments as we nurture that relationship forward. So let me give you a couple practical ways that you can have a quiet time or a devotional time or um, uh, what we call PB, PB and J, uh, prayer Bible journal time. They're all basically saying the same thing. It's how do you just be with God? Get in a place that's undistracted. Find your place. For some, uh, it, might, it might be in your home. For others, it might be at your office before everyone gets there. For others, it might be in your car. Could be, or could be outdoors. It's like, where is your place? Get in a place that's undistracted. 15 minutes. And I know if you're a mom with five kids, 15 minutes undistracted, come on. That's hard. That's really hard. And, and so we do have to always think about what is the season of life I'm in. But in, I'm convinced personally, in every season, we can find some time. We can make some time to do this. So you get alone, you get with God, and uh, we provide this. This is a great option. This is every series. Uh, Carrie Del Pizzo has been putting this together, one of our amazing volunteers. She's doing a fabulous job. You can pick these up at the welcome desk or online at our, off of our main page. And uh, this goes through every series each week, gives you a daily reading in the scripture to kind of dive deeper and some, some uh, journaled thoughts that Carrie provides to kind of guide the process. It's a great option. Others of you use Uversion. Uversion is put out uh, and it has hundreds, probably thousands at this point of different devotional options. So if you're not familiar with it, go online, look it up, uversion.com. It's all free. Uh, some of you like to read streams in the desert or you read different things. Let me just encourage you, no matter which way you go on this, make the Bible the center point. Make it the main course. Don't make man's thoughts, woman's thoughts, no matter how great of writers they are, don't make that the main course. The main course should be the scripture. That's what feeds your soul. The word of God is alive, it's active, and it nourishes. People can encourage us, people can inspire us, but it's the word of God that changes us. So, Put the word of God at the center point of your devotional time. Let me just share quickly with you um, one that I've been using in this past year. It's called Lectio Divina. And uh, it literally means divine reading. It, it's a Latin term. And it goes way back, about 1,500 years. And what you'll notice through this, I'm going to just share this with you quickly. And this can be applied to any of the variety of devotions that you're doing. Uh, because most of the way we do devotions today where you're praying and you're, and you're using the scripture and you're journaling a little, that all comes from Lectio Divina anyways. 
This practice became widespread when the desert fathers and mothers made the word of God the basis for their prayer lives. And then shortly after, St. Benedict made this practice of Lectio Divina central to Western monasticism. So here's how it works. Lectio Divina, sacred reading. It's listening to God as you read the scripture. It's learning to hear God as you read the Bible. Learning to hear his voice for you for that day. So this is something you can do tomorrow. The simple prayer, practice of Lectio Divina, it goes through four different movements. Four different movements, okay? And the first step is this. Just prepare your heart. Just sit down with your Bible either on your phone or your iPad or a paper Bible and have something to write with, again, whether you do digital or or with a pen, and just be there and be quiet for at least a minute. And just steady your heart and say, God, speak to me today. That's where you're inviting Holy Spirit, the mentor, to come in and, and speak to you and use and, and enlighten the word of God. So we don't just read it from the head. We read it from the heart and we need the Holy Spirit to enlighten it for us. So spend that moment just preparing your heart, asking God to make it come alive for you, Ask, inviting Holy Spirit to show you. And then uh, here's the first movement uh, of Lectio Divina is Lectio. It means read, <laughs> read, read a passage, pick a passage, whether you're going through the Psalms or whether you're going through the narratives of Jesus in the Gospels, pick a readable passage and read it prayerfully, read it out loud and then pause and listen and then read it again. And the second time you read it, look for a phrase, a verse or a word that is meaningful to you, that's standing out. That's where the the Spirit will make that come alive for you. So the first part is lectio, which is reading and watching for for that word and listening to what God is saying. The second movement in lectio divina is meditatio, which means receive it. It's that place of meditation. That second prayerful reading of the passage, you listen to that particular word or phrase. And that's where I write. That's journaling for me is write it down. You'll remember it better if you write it down. Again, remember, we're talking about reading it out loud, reading it maybe quietly. We're talking about writing. All of these things, sow it into our heart. So what do you write? Well, you write what it is that you feel like God's telling you about that particular word or phrase or passage. What is the Lord saying to you? There's always something he's wanting us to change, something he's wanting us to let go of, something he's wanting us to move into. There's always something God is doing if we'll just listen. Write that down. The third movement is oratio, which is the word, uh, Latin word for prayer. And it's the response piece. Don't let prayer get squeezed out of your devotional time. I know a lot of people who do devotions and they read through the Bible in a year or they read this or read that or they read these things that people write and they read it and they feel like they did a devotion because they read something and then they move on. Prayer often gets squeezed out. Prayer is that point of responding to God, listening. You wrote something down. You read something. You wrote something down and now you pray over it. You pray over it and sure, you're going to pray over people that you love and care about. You're going to pray over your day. You're going to pray over maybe things that are worrying you. You're going to pray over other things, but you're also going to just listen to God and you're going to pray over what you just read and what you just wrote about. You're going to pray over that and let God transform you through that. Then the fourth and final movement is contemplatio, which is 
the, we get the word con contemplation, and it's just to rest. And this, for me, is the hardest one of these. Uh, you know, none of this is rocket science, right? Uh, forget the Latin phrases that can throw you off. It's really reading the scripture, listening to God, writing a few things down, praying, and then the last one is resting. Just letting God love you. I don't know if you're like me, but when I feel like I'm done with my devotion, I'm done. I move on into my day. And this is the part I've had to really work on in this past year is just to sit there for like a, a whole solid like two minutes. <laughs> and just let God love me and just receive his grace and kind of turn my hands up and say, fill me with the Holy Spirit today, God. And listen and just receive. European monk uh, GDO II in the 12th century spoke of these four elements like this. He said, reading, as it were, puts solid food into our mouths. Meditation chews it and breaks it down. Prayer obtains the flavor of it, and contemplation is the very sweetness which makes us glad and refreshes us. Isn't that great? Let me read that again. Reading, as it were, puts solid food into our mouths. Meditation chews it and breaks it down. Prayer obtains the flavor of it. And contemplation is the very sweetness which makes us glad and refreshes us. The aim of a time with God to sit at his feet, to listen, to learn, isn't to check a box and move on with our day. It's not to feel more spiritual. It's to feed our soul. That has helped me. It's not about trying to get right with God. It's not about trying to be spiritual enough. It is about feeding my soul and responding to the invitation of Jesus to come into the living room and sit at my feet. You don't have to do all that stuff. Just come and receive first before you try and go give to everybody else, before you go do everything and accomplish all these things. Just come and receive. Will you do that? Will you do that in your life? Will you make that one of those big rocks the first thing in your day? Maybe the action point for you is to pick a devotional plan. And if, if you don't have another one, just start tomorrow morning with this one because it's right in front of you. If, and I'll give you time to research if you want and you want to try something different, you can. But don't go through a day without just spending that time with God. Maybe an action step for others is to get accountable with other people in your life, maybe in your life group, or if you've never taken Rooted. Rooted is the first life group here at North Church, and uh, so many of us have, have gone through that. It's been a powerful experience. If you haven't, I give you permission. If you've never taken it, leave your life group for 10 weeks and go take Rooted and then go back to your life group. Or if you're not in a group at all, go through Rooted. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. You can sign up online. And one of the weeks we talk about is listening to God. And we talk about doing the, the, the time of daily devotions. So whichever your action step is, let's make that decision today before we go to bed to put those big rocks in our schedule so that each day we know what our priorities are and we live putting God's kingdom first. His kingdom first in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, for this new year, for this new decade. We recognize that we need you.
Lord, that our souls get so hungry so fast and yet we're so out of touch with it. Would you help us, Lord? Just remind us each day how we, even when we don't feel like it, but we're longing for spiritual food in our lives, for direction that comes from you, from empowerment that we need. Lord, we want to stay connected to the vine. We want to be connected to you, Jesus. We want that because we want our lives to be fruitful. So Jesus, help us. Lord, just take all guilt off of our lives and put in us a holy passion, a sincere and pure desire to spend that time with you, to just be in your presence like we have been today and to know that we can grow, we can learn, we can listen, and we can change because of what you do in our lives. Thank you for that. We dedicate this day, we dedicate this year to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, we're going to continue this series next week. It's going to be awesome. You want to come, make sure and bring somebody with you. If you are new or newer to the church, we'll have our team right over here ready to say hello to you and give you some ideas of how you can connect here at North Church. And if you need prayer, our prayer team will be right over on this side of the stage. God bless you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week.